Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the Talking About the Big Stuff podcast. I am one of your hosts, Michael Cole, and I'm with my co-host, Matthew Cravat. That would be me. Yes. And that is the cleanest take I've ever done on Welcome to the Big Big oh, see, see, right see, now I'm doing it. See, you knew the name of your podcast for a minute, and now you yep. forgot the name of your podcast. It's funny because I've I've done a bunch of guest spots on my friend, my friend Paul's podcast, the world's best podcast, and I, he starts off with "Welcome everybody to the world's best podcast," and I, for whatever reason, it's like my intro, like that's the intro in my head before I go every time is is that so. All right, so let's uh, let's get started. So you you were in France. How was France? France was fine. I was um, I I got a new name in France. Oh, yeah. Instead of Matthew, my name is now Matthew because nice. um, the events people said Matthew, you're 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 an actor. You're not afraid of being on stage. I said this is true. So can you introduce the newcomers to the group every morning for the three day meeting? So anyone who's joined since last year. Yeah. It wasn't at the last meeting. And he asked me to do it like, you know, in, in my, my friend Sebastian said, can you do it like the men, the men from the boxing in Las Vegas? Hmm. And so I said, oh, I guess, I guess it's, let's get ready to, um, I don't know if I'm allowed to say this trademark, but our word guy. And um, <laughs> that's a trademark. No, but I said, yeah, <laughs> that's, yeah, that's not different. That <laughs> that's different one. But, um, um, but he doesn't bumble and he doesn't tumble. Uh, but, um, I was like, yeah, sure. And the first day I did that, but then it hurt my throat a lot. And so I kind of switched over towards more of a wrestling type announcer, which was more fun for me anyway. And I was like, kind of making jokes with each person. And by the last day I was, I, I just did the road dogs entrance. I was like, it's me, it's me, the M A double T. And, um, and, but, it, but through the days people were just yelling Matthew at me, the way I was yelling people's names when I introduced them. It, nice. um, yeah. Work meetings with the France are going to be difficult now. <laughs> I've yeah. got a reputation. Yeah, fine. Stick- fine. Bullshit. Fine. Hair is fine. Yeah. All right. George Carlin routine. Yeah. No, I'm 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 well versed on my Carlin. Um. Yesterday, I we were talking at work. Um, we were talking about papers in college, and I said, "Oh, I oh my my trick to doing well on papers was if you." write a paper on a subject that you really like, like in your class, you're going to, they're going to, you're going to do better, but also a lot of times it will make it more interesting. So I, I had a speech class that I took and we had to do a paper on a famous speech. And I went and I asked the professor and I was like, Hey, can I do, can I do the, um, the seven words seven you can't words say on TV say on television. and the professor was like, I, why? Like, it's not really a speech. It's stand up." And I was like, well, it's, you know, it, it, there's a Supreme court case around it. And it's like, it's a pretty landmark case as far as like obscenity law and things like that. And it, it's quoted specifically. It's not like it, like it, it's not, it's kind of about that, but it's not really like, it's very specifically about that routine. Um, and so she let me do it. And so I was telling my, my coworkers this at lunch and they were like, what, what are the seven words you can't say on TV? And I was like, shit, piss, fuck, cunt, cocksucker, motherfucker, and tits. And I said, Wait, it fast. tits doesn't belong on that list. No, it doesn't. But I said <laughs> it really fast like that. And they were like, they were like, oh, you've, you've uh, said it before. And I'm like, no, that's the <laughs> rhythm with which he says it. Like nobody knew what I was talking about. And I was like, shit, I, piss, I would have to quit. Shit, piss, shit. Shit, piss, fuck, cunt, cocksucker, motherfucker, and tits. And I was like, and sometimes uh, on the on the second version, which is I think the one that the the um the second version is what they did the the filthy words routine that was the um the main part of that lawsuit uh, for the Supreme Court case. What they added, fart, turd, and twat at the end. And I said, but fart, turd, and twat. He admits you can say on TV, but nobody wants to. Yeah, I would have was... to quit that job if nobody knew the seven words. I just I gotta leave. Yeah. No. It... I I, like I used to have a I had a poster that I got at a George Carlin concert in in Raleigh. Oh, I think before the boys were born, even so, more than twenty five years ago. Yeah. That was like a close up of his face, you know, with his hand in front of his face, thoughtfully as he does, angrily and thoughtfully at the same time as he does, uh, or did, and then 
over it were like, I don't remember the exact number, but it was something like 1,149 filthy words and phrases. Yeah. And it was like category, different words for penis, and then category, different words for male masturbation, different words for yeah. vagina, different words for female masturbation. It was just the whole poster size thing was just in like 12 point font, every 11,000 different dirty words and phrases. Nice. I uh, took it down after Jacob was getting old enough to be able to read. And you could edit all that out and no one would ever know because none of it's relevant. No, I kind of think. I mean, I think freedom of speech is a great example of what we're about to talk about. And so I, I, I was aware of that when we started talking about it. But yeah. so today's topic that, that we're going to talk about is um, it, it, we talked about it last on the last episode, minding your own business. And, in, and specifically in a like morality, like morality policing kind of way, like in ways that don't harm others. And I mean, tangibly harm others. Like obvious, I don't mean like, Oh, it hurts my feelings that you're gay, even though like, you know, like you're my kid. It hurts my feelings that you're gay. Like, no, that's not real. I'm talking about like, Oh, you are, you have a predilection for flesh and you are a cannibal. Like that is something that's harmful Mm -hmm. to others. Okay. So that's my, that's the topic that we're going to talk about is, is morality policing this idea of it's one it's one thing to have your own set of of morality or your own morality and it's another thing to try to not only to impose it but to shame others we talked about slut shaming as an example when we talked about this um yeah i mean so so we we talked a little earlier today that we were going to have this conversation so i started thinking about morality in general and um you know i i believe i i do believe i've been convinced that there is some level of moral realism, you know, objectively moral and immoral things that exist, you know, that, that, that can be proven true or false. It's like, you know, objectively true that this is always a moral thing that everyone should have to obey at all times. It may not be something that's scientifically provable, you know, it's philosophy, so you have to debate it. But I, I watched an hour long presentation about this and the hour long presentation was not necessary. A kind of a, you had me at hello moment was, in the introduction, the philosopher said, the Holocaust was objectively wrong and there's no justifying it. And I'm like, okay, you have won your debate with me. There are some things, maybe not all things in, in the realm of morality, but right. there are certain some things that are objectively true statements. Yes, so I'd I say have. there are some objective mor- morality things that, that I think is right to enforce legally and, and socially. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, don't kill. Right. Anyone don't non non-consensual almost anything yeah like, like it's kind of almost anything after non-consensual uh sounds like a thing that that should be a, a morality that your personal morality doesn't get to overrule societies right agreed and yeah and obviously i think that for me that entails uh consent in a sense of like i think you need to be old enough and mentally co- is yeah. it cognizant enough like you all need to the be standards capable like, of giving consent yeah yeah yeah, yeah. I, that's i just wanted to add that caveat in there because we all you know I, I, unfortunately you and i both grew up in a time where if like if you're a 13 year old boy and you had sex with a 24 year old teacher where we've definitely would have heard guys say Oh, what luckiest kid in the world! And like, so like, when I say consent, I I mean it in a a hard, and and I'm not, and I'm not sure that I'm convinced. Even though, like, I know the age of consent legally is one thing. I like, for example, if I was single, I think that I'm too old to have sex with an 18 year old anymore. Like, from a consent standpoint, I just don't see that that's a. I think that's an it's, arbitrary line. I get we have to draw an arbitrary line, but it's not the we didn't draw the line at where your brain development starts uh, stops. So, like, I think yeah, there's all kinds. I, of I things. think it's it's hard when you when you start being able to give consent. Power relationships is part of that equation, and Absolutely. it's hard to think of an equation where someone um, in their 40s or 50s has, and someone in their teens have yeah. an equal enough power footing where the person in their teens can make um, a proper consent right just to be clear i'm not in my 40s or 50s but i just want to make that clear because i get a lot of shit at work i thought we were about the same age i thought we were the same age (laughs) yeah that's what people at work think (laughs) uh 
I no, shave now. I look young. I got my grays all gone because I shaved. Speaking of shaving, sorry to get off topic, but uh, I'm going to be shaving. By I'm going to be getting a haircut, and because this weekend I'm going to Miami on a guys trip, and we're going to be doing some uh, fan boat shit, and so I'm going to be getting a mullet, and I'm getting a Fu Manchu <laughs> for the weekend. I love that. And what's funny is the reason I shaved was because when I was in Paris, our last night the celebration dinner was disco night and we had to look disco and in my head that's travolta you know and studio 54 and you either need in disco a real long beard like the bgs or no beard you yeah. know and so i shaved because it was disco night and freaked everybody out like people like didn't recognize me guys so i came down my hair slicked back and, and clean shaven and then i video chatted my wife later in like 10 minutes into the conversation she realized it and started screaming at me nice so she was she was morality shaming you for your beard no, she was um, she was age shaming. It was ageism with her because oh. she says that I look much younger without my beard. Because as we established uh, previous conversation, I have a lot of gray in my beard. I only have a little gray in my temples and my hair. So with without my beard, I dropped ten years, and she feels like she looks younger standing next to me when I have a gray beard. Nice. <laughs> when I look yeah. young, she doesn't necessarily look younger anymore. Um, anyway, back to the topic at hand. Uh, yes, yeah, so I think the entire. Um, uh, um, um, culture wars like revolves around that, right? About I want to tell you what your moral should be to make yeah. me happy. I, I I agree. I think that there are a couple of these culture war items that I think, if we're being honest about, do fall into a, at least potentially, or I can understand the viewpoint of they affect others. We'll use guns as an example. Guns, like, in theory, you should be able to own guns if you're, like, you know, but, like, and be able to go play with guns. And I would have no problem if you're going to a target, going to a shooting range. range. I, you could tell yeah. I'm not a gun guy. You're going to a target practice. No, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but, like, you're going, you know, I, I there's that, in that way, I think that guns kind of do become a, a like, freedom i can see that side of it like where i want the freedom to do this but then it does enter in to the like well how does this affect the the greater good of society how how do we deal with that side of things so i think and that's i think it's a big you know culture war topic as as much as anything else is almost um and I think that there is, well, you know, you and I are pretty closely aligned, I think, on that. There is, a, to me, I can see the pro-argument, the pro-gun argument more than I can, for example, the anti-gay argument. Yeah, I think that that's true on the highest level. Mm -hmm. But when when the argument is, I shouldn't have to obey any safety rules. Mm -hmm. Anyone who wants a gun, even if they've murdered three people yesterday, should be able to buy a gun with no background check. That's when it's no longer about your right to have a gun. It's about no, your yeah. right to have a small penis and, and counter that by buying a lot of guns. No, no. And I agree with you completely on that. My point being, like, yeah, to yeah. me, that is no longer the same more morality imposition, morality policing question as, for example, yeah. gay, to me, any gay rights for adults consenting adults and for honestly like if gay rights in general like because it because i you know teenagers and gay people are have people have uh romantic and sexual desires and feelings early on whether or not you're allowed to express those and how so that's a different question but being being mm -hmm. straight being gay and, and, and gender issues can go into childhood agreed well, so yeah, yeah. I read some some stuff that said that your gender identity is decided by the time you're about two or three, whether or not you figured it out um, based on the there's some strong like hard science, not just social science. I know that like you mm -hmm. and I wouldn't we would think social science is legitimate, but there's some like biochemistry science that that points to a lot of these aspects of gender identity being um, decided on a bio biological standpoint, as far as um, not neurons. Why am I thinking like the yeah, neurological... but they definitely 
have brain, brain scans that show yeah. that trans men have brain scans that are more similar to men than they are to, to cis right. men than they are to cis women. Yeah. Cis women have more similar brain scans to, to I mean, exactly. trans women have more similar scans to, to cis women than they do to yeah. cis men. So and yeah, all of definitely that hard biological science behind gender. Right. And that biological science from what I, from the way I understood it as when I read that was that, that those aspects are basically settled by the time they start uh, in utero and then they go until you're about two or three. I think I read it's been a while. Um, mm-hmm. I do, I do have, I'll, I'll put a couple of sources on, on today. Cause there's one source that I really love. Um, that has a great Forrest Valkai. You know who that is? Um, it, it was the, the opera guy from the March of the Valkyries. No, no, there's a, he's a, he's been on atheist experience and stuff, but he's a, he's a science, he's a scientist forgetting what kind of science specifically. I want to say biologist, but I could be wrong. Um, but he has a breakdown of the science of gender that I think is really good. So I'll put that on there so people don't think I'm talking out of my asshole. Yeah. So for um, for for worthless anecdotal, I have uh, friends whose child at nine decided that they wanted to be seen as the opposite gender as they had been um, treated their whole lives pr- previously. But ever since she was two or three she wanted to wear girls clothes like girl shirts like glittery shirts and low-cut shirts and and her mom would always say do you you know her mom was very progressive and would say do you feel like you're a girl do you feel like you should be a girl like your sister and she would always say no no i'm a boy i'm a boy i just like the shirt that you know at, at three five seven at nine it was actually i'm a girl so like yeah her, her whole life she had she just didn't have the sophistication to realize it was a gender issue, not just a clothing issue. Right. I mean, and it's been, she is, what is she now? Like it was pre pandemic. So she's at least 12 now. So, uh, you know, and her mind has not changed as the uh, people who are uh, on the other side of the culture war say they'll change their minds. It not, doesn't yeah. seem to be the case. Yeah. But, but yeah, so I go, no, nobody needs to be telling outside of their family what, um, that child, who I won't name because um, she's still a minor, um, has a right to do, you know, yeah. because their religion doesn't like it or they don't like it because it's icky to them or they don't understand it. Because frankly, I don't 100% understand trans stuff. I don't feel like a man. I just feel like me. Yeah. So I don't, I don't fully understand what it means to feel like a different gender. But I imagine in my head, it's like, I don't know what it's like to breathe air. I just do it. But if you put me underwater, I certainly know what it's like not to be breathing the right air. Yeah. So I assume if I was in the wrong gender, I would know it the same way. I I think that, and and I'm gonna go out on a limb here and and speak out of my ass because I'm a white guy. But I think that the, I feel the same way about gender that you just said. I don't feel like a man. I just feel like me. But I think that that's partly being a partly being because I we we are not trans. We're not yeah, stuck like, in a situation. 100%. And then B, I also think it's being the thing that society sees to some extent as default where white men where the mm-hmm. default and and i don't mean that in a pro de- like default way i mean that in like a that's unfortunately the facts of the cases if in most novels if they don't give a description of a character you think white guy or you're they're meaning they're meaning white guy yeah you don't need a novel and, it's just the news right yeah. if it's a black guy they say black guy if it's a white guy they just say a man yeah, exactly. So I think being the default does give us to the point where I, I think being the default, you don't feel like it. You're not feeling, you're not meant to feel othered or, you know, just outside of what's considered the, the standard. Um, and so I think that's part of, of that issue for me. But I... I will. I would. You want to push back on one thing that you said, though, which is you said outside of your family. I don't think it's for anybody to say. I agree with you, but I also think because I've seen enough of these documentaries about uh, conversion therapies and people who want their kids to be straight or cis or whatever. And I think, unfortunately, I, I have. I, I. I don't know how you deal with it. I don't know how you address that kind of a systemic issue where it's like, okay, these parents are homophobic. They, 
you know, you got to have the right to freedom of religion and all, you know, and thought and everything else. But at the same time, where, where do we draw the line on it? And I, and it's tough because there, you know, I mean, people are dying. Like there's kids that are dying from suicide, from depression because they're in, or, and maybe, maybe it's a lot less now. I hope it's a lot less than it used to be, but like people who've been in homophobic households and, and transphobic households. And, and I think it becomes a different, to me, you know what I'm saying? Uh, yeah, I agree with you. I shouldn't have said that. That, that I was wrong. Yeah. I didn't mean it. It's only, yeah. No, you're, you're 100%, you're 100%, 100% right. I, I kind of said that just as the turn of phrase that's normal mm-hmm. for moral issues and how you teach morality in, in your family. But I think that might be one of those absolute morality things. <laughs> judging someone else's yeah. um, gender expression and sexual orientation is negatively judging that is immoral regardless of whether you are a stranger or their parent that right people have every individual has the autonomy to be what they are and I, and I, actually it kind of brings up something interesting that i think we should talk about which is you know we're talking about morality you and i discussed this ahead of time but also we're talking about morality that we say has no does no harm like pushing a morality you know so we're saying gay gay people like being gay doesn't hurt anybody being uh transgender shouldn't hurt anybody you know it does it can like there's a lot of problems in our society for transgender people but that's but them being transgender doesn't hurt me for example like doesn't it doesn't hurt someone outside of themselves necessarily and so I think that there's that aspect, but then I kind of think the idea of especially families and people pushing your your morality against it can be harmful, and that's where I I think it's like so yeah, we'll use uh, we'll call person A is is gay, per, and their parent is trans is gay is homophobic. Person A has done nothing immoral by being gay. And so to have a morality against that, like, I don't care one way or the other what you mentally think, but to behave against that does become a harmful thing. So like us talking about that person, we are not talking about a person who just has a harmless, uh, a harmless opinion at that point. And I think that's something that the, the people who are bigoted or homophobic or slut shamey or whatever tend to try to like equate those two things like being gay and being homophobic as well they're they're doing the same amount of harm they're doing and it's just not true you know what i'm saying yeah well they have a big victim um mentality often that yeah and so they'll say it's hurting me that my grandchild is gay i'll Mm -hmm. never have grandchildren you know great-grandchildren or you know it they're i think they're going to go to hell and so it hurts me so they do take it as 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 a physical for me, I, and it can be traumatic for them. I I imagine it it actually can be yes. painful for them. But I don't. I think when you're going to judge morality of it, it's more be doing more damage to the person who is um, the grandchild in this case. Telling them to suppress who they are is more damage than the grandparent um, having some being upset. Yeah, I I just kind of think that this idea of i i don't disagree with you that like if you think someone's going to hell for something it that can be a heart hurtful to you and i get that i don't exactly know how to deal with that either um well in a short term i, I kind of know in a long term we just like educate people so you know but well i mean i think that there are times that you're gonna have two you know moral conflicts occur where there's two different things and it's you know like, i mean the trolley problems right there's not one is more moral than the other it's what's your decision and which is more moral so and the thing yeah. is you know it's like say being an atheist or or being gay whatever and you know it will hurt grandma if grandma knows do you have to have a conversation with grandma about it or can you keep it to yourself and that's i think a personal decision for the person saying you know what mm-hmm. My grandma doesn't need, ever need to know my beliefs or, you know, or yeah. who I really am. You know, I'll, I can make grandma happy and it makes me happy that grandma's happy, even if grandma's wrong. Yeah. You know, or you can say, you know what, I have to be my honest self because it does, it hurts me not to be myself 
even if yeah. it's grandma. And I don't think either of those is a wrong feeling. I think it's whichever one is right for you because there are some cases where there is life is not clean. It's not, you know, not digital, not zero and one. There's issues. Right. That's true. I also think, so I know, I, I know a decent amount of people in my life that I would say are, they have a, a different stru- more moral structure than I do that I think are pretty good people who don't act on it. So, um, my, the best example is, and, and I think she'll hate it if I mention her, but I'm hoping she's not listening to the podcast anyway, but my mom, <laughs> my mom now is not, this doesn't apply to now. This is from 20 years ago or more, but like, but my mom was very in her head homophobic, I think for a long time because the Bible and all the stuff she was taught, she was never, did she stone people never, to death for being gay? No, no, no. She just thought it was an immorality. She would, and she, but she was such a compassionate person that she would try to justify it in these like weird backbendy ways of like, well, it's, it, you know, homosexuality is not the problem. It's behaving on homosexuality. So you can have the thoughts, but don't do the thing. And, and so that was the, the initial backbend of trying to, to, to be a compassionate person. And then eventually she learned a lot and like she did some, she learned, uh, she read about a diff- bunch of different things. And then she was pretty early on being like, well, I don't think people are not born that way. And so like, it's ridiculous. And, and I think she has, I, th- I would say that like, she's probably zero. Well, for a straight person of her age group and everything else, she's, as close to zero, she's going to get uh, homophobic. And like I said, she was always compassionate. She was ne- never, I guess you can be prejudiced and not act bigoted, if that makes sense. I don't know. If that well, I think we all have ingrained stereotypes and prejudices because of the society we live in and the what your eternal goal should be is to overcome those and not Absolutely. act on them and over and change change your own thoughts as as you can, but it's not as easy as throwing a switch. So your mother doing it over decades is admirable because it's not something you can just choose. Yeah, that's true. That that is very true. I agree with that. And my dad, um, my dad was always really clear on, he wanted us to be better than he was. And he didn't, he said, you know, at one point I remember him having a conversation about bigotry. I don't remember exactly all of the finer points of it, but he said something along the lines of there is a group that I don't really care for because, and I, he's like, because of the time and, and place that I grew up in. And, and he goes and and he, and I, it's the only time I ever heard him talk bad about a specific group. And it was more about like, and that's on me and I don't want you to learn it. And I, and, and he, and it never happened again. And I remember him saying, being really clear about, you know, the, he, my dad was the first adult that I knew that had like that. He, I met gay people through my dad because he had coworkers that were gay and, and it, it came up naturally. And my dad was, you know, I mean, keep in mind, my dad's he's now 60, he's almost 64 years old. So he, in the nineties, he's like late thirties. Uh, so I'm closer to your dad's age than I am yours. I should be hanging out with your dad. Yeah. I, I don't think my dad would like you though. Because um, I, I now I know what type of people it is he doesn't like. <laughs> no, he, my dad's half Jewish, so uh, he he does. He, I I don't want to say what type of people because I don't want to like start that. But um, but he but he I remember like you know like it it would be very easy for my dad, bit given his age and you know all the other factors for him to be homophobic. And I remember it literally never being an issue. Like he had, you know, he worked with this, this, uh, this guy that he worked with was probably his favorite person at that job. Um, he, that guy came over a couple times and like for dinner and like, he was one of the people my dad was friendliest with. It was very clear that my dad was aware that he was gay. I mean, we, I grew up in Massachusetts. So while my dad, my family's relatively conservative, the people around us weren't. And so like, they weren't it, it nearly as closeted by the time I was graduating high school, gay marriage was legalizing in Massachusetts or was about to legalize. So like 
So a lot of ways we were ahead of the curve, but also my dad would have been a product of his time still to have been homophobic. And I never remember that. Um, the literally the point I was getting at was that he and my mom were always very clear on like, just cause we think something like we, we want you to be better. We know this isn't a great way of thinking it's ingrained in us and we're probably not going to get over it, but we're not going to pass it on. And I think that that if we can handle our own, not just prejudices, but like, I mean, okay. I, we keep making reference to slut shaming. Slut shaming is we No, that's you. I don't make reference to that. Well, maybe. you're the one calling people sluts. I don't know what you're talking about. Oh, yeah, I did. I saw a stand up the other day where the guy was talking about slut shaming and he goes, he goes, calling it slut shaming feels really judgy though because then it's like well then the behavior you're referring to the person shaming you're calling that slut slutty (laughs) okay we all agree that she's a slut don't (laughs) shame her for it exactly that's what his point was but as far as slut shaming like i think like that's one of the things that has my my generation i think still has struggled with um, I see it in friends, not my friends so much, but friends of friends and stuff where they'll, you know, you go and you see somebody just start talking shit about girls, like about, I don't know, like wearing skimpy outfits or I, I don't know if skimpy is even like the right word, but like wearing revealing outfits. And, and it is, it's up until like literally up until the me too, too movement and it's it's kind of amazing because what, what me too movement was like what 2017 sure we'll say that i think that it's amazing how much of it was going on that i wasn't realizing that i look back on now like like i knew about i knew obviously the more egregious terrible shit but like sarah and sarah likes this show called below deck it's a reality show about a bunch of people working on a yacht and it started in like 2011 or 2012. And if you watch that show, the first four or five seasons, they every, any woman that like sleeps with somebody on that show is going to get like hardcore shit. And, and I just kept thinking like, didn't this take place after the Me Too movement? And then it's like, no, it's like immediately before it. And it's so insane how, like, I don't know, like... Oh, well, she slept with someone, so she's dead to everybody. Like, and it's, it, it's amazing to, that's one of the more recent thing. I mean, I, homophobia has been on a resurgence. I know that it never went away fully. Transphobia obviously has like its own, transphobia has taken off like in the last few years, like in a way, popular. (laughs) unfortunately, that is not an inaccurate statement, um, but like I think that slut, the reason I mentioned slut shaming is I think that it is the thing we don't talk about the way we talk about with other stuff. Like we we have we've always as a society, as far as I am aware, have always been pretty intense on it, and it hasn't led up the same way. Like it hasn't led up within liberal circles the way, you know, liberals thirty forty years ago were probably fairly transphobic. I, even maybe 20 years ago, like John Stewart had a video where he said something about making shitty jokes, making shitty penis jokes is my bread and butter. And yes, I got it wrong sometimes. And like, you know, there's all these, like these things that I think we've moved forward, even if only half of us have moved forward on that, the, that we, there's, that's a conversation now. It wasn't even a conversation then. Right. And I think slut, well, you know, we're better about believing victims and maybe we don't blame victims the same way as far as, uh, sexual assault and stuff. I don't know that we've adjusted our attitudes as far as, as the way we handle women whose sexual, who own their sexuality or who we perceive owning their sexuality. Yeah, that's that's one of the things I hate about my parents, where my parents really sucked as parents, is that my parents were hippies, you know, in the hippie days, and they were right on almost every issue, you know, Mm -hmm. to the point like, like, shaming people for being sex positive did not exist in my life. Like, when I was uh, um, 18, and a girlfriend of mine from Philly was visiting, and I was like, where should I put her bags? My dad was like, my mom was like, "In, in your room, where else? Yeah, I'm like, 
she had no issues with it. And like, there wasn't anything negative about my girlfriend that she was going to spend the time with me. And so I never had a negative thing about it. Like it was never, you know, I don't know friends did. I grew up in Brooklyn. So I know friends talked shit about people, but it was never a thought in my head that somebody wanting to do the same thing that I wanted to do was bad for them and good for me. So I, I hate that. I don't have all, all the good You hate that you baggage. don't have the trauma and the baggage yeah. and the unpacking and I, to do. I don't have the stories about, oh, no, it's Thanksgiving. I have to go talk to my parents who voted for Elizabeth Warren. I mean, you know. It's like... Yeah. No, I get. I mean, I I genuinely, I say this, and I know that I've talked about my family being conservative. I think for the most part, my family is is a lot more compassionate than and, and, and good-hearted than we like to think of conservative people, us on the left. And and I give the example I did I used it today uh, when when Sarah's when Sarah's mother died we we're all liberals on Sarah's side of the family and and everyone other than you everyone else that was like really compassionate and helped us and did things for us during that period of time had the exact opposite political views and a lot of the opposite morality views and a lot of the, and definitely opposite like religious views than, than some of us. And yet they were there for us. They were good people that just believed things opposite from us. So I know that like, I probably sound like I'm making excuses, but that has been my experience that they are good people. I've seen, I've, I've seen a lot of my conservative family behave in ways that I wouldn't associate with the conservatives that we think of now. So like, so I don't, when I say that all that stuff, I'm not like really like bitching. Like I, I do have an uncle that likes to argue, but like ultimately I, I said this before, but I think I cut it out because it was the bigger conversation got cut out, but I have an uncle who it took me a long time to realize that he likes arguing for the sport and that it's not personal. And so like I would, I would be getting like very angry and he would just, he's a lawyer and he, he just is a, you know, he, he appreciates the back and forth. And so for him, it's just an exercise. And for me, I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? And I get upset. And then finally, when I learned that we've had, like, I realized, Oh, like he's never said, he doesn't say anything like vitriolic or, or ad homonyms. I, well, I, I mean, I don't, I don't agree with the way he argues necessarily, like, but I don't think it's, He's not just trying to hurt me the way that like some people, when you're arguing with them, he's just trying, mm -hmm. sometimes he's trying to make his point. But like boy George sometimes just wanted to hurt. Yeah. So you understand what I'm saying. Yeah. Um, well, I think a lot of times people right leaning doesn't be far conservative, you know, because we're talking huge different, yeah. you know, tense, right? what they do in their personal life is just different what they believe their government should do. Like people who give tons to charity and yeah. are very loving then say, but I don't want my tax dollars to go to charity. Right. Right. Yeah. So it's not always a, a bad person. It's just yeah. a different, not realizing that, you know, the government has a lot more spending power and could do a lot more than you throwing a dollar into a basket yeah. does. Yeah, absolutely. I just want you to think like every time I, go to a family event or like that. I have yeah. all this baggage. I have, yeah, baggage. you have all the fun. I have different baggage than I think the average, like liberal from a conservative family has. I have the religious baggage to some degree, yeah. but so, so let me get canceled. I'll get canceled now. So when, yes. when, when my daughter was, uh, I don't know, as we said in Brooklyn, two, three years old, right. Um, <laughs> she was young. Somebody made, she was, she was, you know, cute as a button and someone at work made the comment, like over lunch that, Oh, you'll have to get a shotgun when she gets dating age. And mm -hmm. my response was the age of consent is 16 in North Carolina. If she wants to have sex when she's 16, there is nothing I can do to stop her. It's her body. It's her choice. I hope that we raise her to make good enough choices that she's not, that she's not going to put herself in a position where she's in danger or she's being hurt. But if she chooses to sleep with 30 guys, cause she enjoys that, that's her business. And they were like, oh, you'll change your mind when she's older. And, you know, you, 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 you're crazy to say that. And I'm like, even if I didn't feel that way, it's still the truth. She's sick when she's 16. She's legal in North Carolina to do whatever the hell she wants. And it's my job to make sure she's safe when she does it. You want to bring a guy home. I'd rather you bring him home than be in the back of a car on a construction site, you know, in a, yeah. in, out in public because you're afraid to come home. Yeah. And then she's 20 now and she is drop dead gorgeous and she is super smart and she is super um 
political and and you know and confident. And what she does in her spare time is her business, just like I thought it would be when she was a toddler. Yeah, yeah. I don't think sixteen should be the age of consent, but I agree with the idea of what you. But said. it is. Yeah. I mean, it's I, funny because people all the time say think eighteen is. I'm like, mm, I mean, I was in a fraternity, so we had to know um, to make sure <laughs> to make sure we were safe. You know, especially because there were there was a school in Raleigh that was a junior college that was junior and senior high school and freshman and and sophomore college kind of thing. So having a school ID from that school did not tell you how old the person was. Yeah. So we were, we were very aware of the ages and the, and the rules. Like and basically we didn't wouldn't let anyone under sixteen into our house. So that no matter what happened, nobody yeah got in trouble. Um, but. Um, but it's different in every state and some states have complicated rules. Like, like if you're 16, you can be with someone under 21, but not someone over 21. You have to be 18 to be with over, you know, there's, there's lots yeah. of complicated rules out there. People just think 18, cause that's what they say on TV. And, um, they forget yeah. that we're the United States. We're not America. We have different rules for everything everywhere. Yeah. And, um, and I think that, I think, I mean, I was sexually active when I was 16 and I don't think, and, but okay. not with people. I never was with a girl younger than more than six months younger than me. So I was never in a power situation. It was, it was, I mean, usually I was the less experienced person because I'm a klutz. I was like, we're doing what? Oh, we're doing this. Yay. Um, But, uh, you know, but, and I think, I don't think either, either of us were damaged, you know, you know, you know, either me or any of my partners were damaged by being that age. But, but again, we weren't forcing ourselves into it and we were all, hippie liberals or raised probably in very sex positive environments with um very with it where it wasn't like acting out or or you know being crazy it was being yeah. where you can make a rational decision i was just you didn't ask but i'm going to tell you i was sexually active at 13 uh it may have been 12 a couple weeks before my 13th birthday but um i was sexually active that early and then i was sexually active with partners at 19 uh with <laughs> a partner at 19 i didn't have multiple partners i don't want like people to think like i was like right out the gate just like orgy <laughs> no that was it took a few months um but no i yeah i agree with you i i will say also back to to your comments on your daughter um i a lot of my morality things that I have, you know, I swear like crazy. I don't think swearing is immoral, immoral. And I've been told on all kinds of occasions, well, you'll feel different when you have a child because you won't want them <laughs> to embarrass you. And, mm-hmm. and, and, uh, and, and people used to say that to what me. What a weird and, reason. You don't want them to embarrass you. That's the, that's the weirdest reason I've ever heard. Not yeah, to that's use a, profanity. Yeah. Well, and, and well, they don't want, you don't want them to people to think you're a bad parent basically, and be embarrassed for that reason. And, and so I, you know, the, I, I don't see, you know, I, I back to the seven words. I don't see the, cause I grew up on George Carlin. I don't see the no such thing as bad words, just bad, bad thoughts, thoughts and bad yeah. Impre- intentions. Yeah. Yeah. So I didn't grow up with that. So I didn't have that thought and people would get, be like, you're going to change your mind. You're going to change your mind. And we, I get in arguments about it and they're like, you'll see because, and even people younger than me used to do it. And, uh, I will say that, um, Logan has been swearing for years. Now we, we have to figure out, we have to explain to him, okay, just cause you yeah. can swear doesn't mean you can swear all the time. It doesn't mean you can swear in any way. It just means you can swear, and we, and he's pretty good. Like I, we haven't. He's six years old. He's been in daycare or school for five years almost. He'll be he'll be seven, mm-hmm. and it was he's actually he's been in school almost six years. Um, he he has net. We've never been spoken to that he had a, that he swore or anything else. Now in by a teacher or a or a daycare person, we've been spoken to by sisters in law and fathers-in-law and stuff like that but ultimately we have not been spoken to otherwise but like now our concern is like he loves to talk about dicks and balls and he talks about dicks and balls and it's like okay well you can talk about those with us but you can't say that all the time because people might construe that as sexual like we can't tell them sexual harassment but we you know but the swearing thing i remember people talking to me about it and saying oh you're not gonna want it's like why what is like? What is the difference? Like, I honestly, it upsets me when you say fudge 
instead of fuck. Like if I see a kid, I'm like, no, you're, you think you found a loophole and that is being dishonest and swearing. And to me, if you swear, if you just say, oh, fuck, instead of, oh, fudge, you're at least, you're not being dishonest. You're being honest with how you feel about that. Yeah. My kids were around profanity their whole lives because they're my kids. And the rule was, there were, there were two rules around, about it. The, f- the first was you don't do it outside of the house, you know, because you're not, a, because at your school, you're not allowed to use those words. You're allowed to use them at home. You're not allowed to use them at school. There's different rules, just like you can run at home and you can't run around school. Yeah. There's just different rules. Um, and the second was you can't use them at people. So you can say, fuck this. We can't say, fuck you. Like we don't, you know, we didn't curse each other in the house. You don't curse. You don't use curses at people. Like they were adjectives, not attacks. Until they were old, I mean, they're old enough to decide. Well, it's not old enough to do it, they're old enough to do it, but we didn't want three, four, five-year-old saying fuck you to a classmate. I agree. We got in trouble one time when Joseph was in middle school, and when I talked to the teacher, the principal about it, I was like, listen, this kid has been harassing Joseph, shoving Joseph. Joseph lost his temper and cursed him. The alternative was Joseph would have punched him in his face, and Joseph's taken martial arts class. Joseph probably would have won a fight with him. Would you rather he hit him? And this stupid bitch said, yes, that's better than using profanity. And I said, you are fucking insane, woman. <laughs> not happy with me. I was like, I will tell him to kick the shit out of the kid next time. And then you don't, I don't want to get a call. I don't want to find out he did it until he gets home and brags yeah. about it. Because you just told me you want him to do it. Yeah, absolutely. I, w- I will say, so Logan, uh, he's not supposed to swear at people, but he... He has on occasion, he called a kid a dick uh, that was over our house that had locked him out of his room. And this is one of our good oh, friends, one of our good friends, kids. And we we had that moment of, we heard from upstairs, we were all downstairs hanging out and we heard the kids upstairs and we heard Logan go, let me in my room, you dick. And we were like, oh shit. And we looked at each other and we we're like, sorry. And they were like, well, is our kid being a dick? Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I thought it would have been my response. Yeah. And then uh, the other example is that, um, so Logan, we, when Logan was like two, we got a dog and him and the dog have a real brother sister relationship where they like constantly are at each other. Like the dog thinks he's a dog, like tries to steal his food, like just treats him like a sibling. And so sometimes the dog bites him or he hurts the dog. And when he, when the dog bites him, like nips at him because he was doing something wrong or, or just because the dog thinks he's doing something wrong. I just told him just, you know, when he's crying, I'm just like, say, fuck you, Galley. And he does. And it makes <laughs> him smile. So. Yeah. Dogs aren't people. Yeah. But you did it, man. You brought our morality conversation back to the seven words you can't say on television. Yeah. You, you, well, Logan does not w- know all the seven words you can't say on television, luckily. Uh, I yeah. have not, as far as I know, he does not know the C bomb. Um, but he, he's not into British comedy. No. Yeah, it's funny. My 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 uh, 24 year old says it's really tough for him sometimes not to use the C word because he watches British comedy all the time and it's like saying ass there. It's just a mild curse. They use it all the time. Yeah. He's like, it's hard to remember that it's not that way here. Right. And it's a lot more loaded with, a, you know, like a, there they'll call a guy that. And that's the yeah. other part of it is like, it's not. It's just a gen- word. It's, it's not a gender it, it, term there. Yeah. It's not saying you're inferior because you're a woman's sexual organ. Yeah. Yeah. So um, a, a friend of mine was getting the mail from like a, uh, a um, like a, a central mailbox area for a bunch of townhouses. Yeah. And. Her son, who was like six years old, maybe, is sitting there next to her. She's got the mail, and he goes, out of nowhere, fuck you, asshole. Just deadpan. And she whips around. What did you say? And she looks, he, he looks her in the eye, and he goes, fuck you, asshole. She goes, why would you say that? And he points, and someone in Sharpie had written it on the side of the mailboxes. Nice. And, she, and, she, and then he goes, he realizes her response. She goes, mommy, are those bad words? And she said, yeah, those are bad words. Um, I don't want to, I didn't mean to do bad words. It's okay. You didn't know, but those are bad words. Don't use those words. Okay. They start walking back to the house and she suddenly realizes he's not next to her. She turns around. He's like 10 feet behind her standing and crying. And she's like, what's wrong? He goes, mom, did I just say the F word? Because he knew there was an F word, but he didn't know what it was. Yeah. 
And Low- she's like, yes, you did. And he was hysterical crying. I'm sorry, mommy. I love you. I didn't mean to say an F word at you. That's hilarious. Lo- Logan. So Logan is not aware of what the N word is. He has heard the term the N word, but he doesn't know. And, and I listen to rap music. He's heard the N word. He just doesn't know it. Um, but he he has he's unaware of what the word is. But uh, I want to say it was after the George Floyd. It was like it wasn't the George Floyd stuff. It was something after. But one of the big protests or big things that was on the news, we were we you know we had watched the news and we we shielded him from it somewhat. But we explained some of it too, like because we don't want him to be oblivious to it. But that doesn't mean he needs to be exposed to all of it, right? Um, and they said the term, the N word on TV. And he goes, and this is before he could spell anything. So he goes, what's the N word? And I was like, it's the worst word you can say. I'm not going to tell you. And he goes, is it fuck? (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, nope, it's not. And then like, he wanted to know for a long time. And then like a year goes by and he, we're watching something else because unfortunately there's a lot of uh racial issues still going on so we have to so it's still part of our news lexicon uh they said the n-word again and he goes what's the this was a year later he didn't remember the original interaction he goes what what's the what's the n-word at this point he's spelling and i was like i'm not going to tell you it's the worst word you can say so i'm not going to tell you i said eventually you're going to learn it and when you learn it, you probably are going to say it because you won't know yet. And then when you say it in front of me, and hopefully I get to be the first person to hear you so I can shut that down quickly, I said, but what, when you hear it, I'll, we'll, we'll deal with it. And then he goes, is it no? Like, well, <laughs> a lot of people hate to hear that word as well. Um, but. So when I directed improv in the 90s, the early 90s, the, the, the phrase, the N-word, was not as popular. Like it wasn't like it was used, but you didn't hear it in automatic. I think there's only one way in the world you'd ever say that phrase, right? It was it just wasn't so prevalent, and um, probably because people said the other word instead. Um, and we had an improv game, uh, which is a typical improv game. Any improv person or any, most many actors who've done any improv exercise have done, where you do a scene and both people can only do sentences of four word length as you go back and forth. And it's a way to keep you out of your head so you can't plan the whole scene ahead because you don't know what your partner is going to say because they're stuck by this constraint of having to say four words. So they have to listen closely to what you say and back and forth. And the four words becomes too easy after a while because it becomes a pattern. So we used to rotate it and say, well, we'll do something between two and eight. So we'll just pick two random numbers and you know, or whatever and do it. So we named the game N-word because it was an N amount of words in the sentence. And we called it that for years until somebody like somebody one time joined, you know, look, joined my group like 10 years later and was looking through my list of games and said, wait, you have a game called N-Word? How the hell do you play that? <laughs> yeah. I'm like, maybe I should change it to variable word. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's the problem of being a uh, math nerd is that you know about the N, you know. I mean, I worked in pharma forever, so you know we had dealt with clinical trials with the amount of people in in a study is capital N is how many people you know n equals two thousand thirty five. That's how many people were in the study, and then lowercase n is a branch in the study. You know how many people were in the placebo versus you know um, drug group, and it became a common phrase in work. Like if you are like the only person with an opinion to refer to someone as or the only person doing a job that you're an n of one. Like that's we said it all the time. And I would say it online, like on AOL back in the old days, people would say, what the hell do you mean? And I'm like, it's jargon where I work. And I forgot that not everyone uses that term. It just, it's such a normal term to me. Oh yeah. Oh, that would be a great topic, by the way. Um, just words or, or just the idea of jargon that we, we all get into. Cause Sarah and I do it with all kinds of shit because of being parents like and like our jargon would be different than other parents because like uh, I'll give you the best example is Capri Suns we call them puppy juice because there was Paw Patrol puppies on it the first time we bought them for Logan uh-huh. so we and we get to that point Weak. where where it's like I'll be like oh I Sarah wants me to go get puppy juice on the way home and people are like she wants to get puppy juice like I just think that'd be a fun topic 
I had a friend in Brooklyn whose father was his parents were more religious, more religious Jews than 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 way more than more than he was, and obviously more than I am because zero. But they always had Sunny Delight in the house, so Molly and I took to calling it Juju's because we had it at their house all the time. Nice. And like to this day, we're like, should we buy Juju's? You want to get Juju's? Nice. Give me that purple stuff. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Um, the old Chappelle, old Chappelle bit where he's talking about how there was always that one black kid in in the Sunny D commercials. They're like, "Who wants? We got purple juice. We got purple stuff, and uh, and Sunny D." And he's like, "And the black kids always like, give me some of that purple stuff, <laughs> sugar water in the plastic container." Yeah. Oh, yum! I used to do grape tang back. Tang used to be orange and grape, used to be yeah. tang. and sometimes we'd mix them together. We call it mud. It'd be like brown. Yeah, I thought for this week for an outro because you know we're not plugging shit, but I thought that I would just mention that um, uh, I have been listening to a podcast. Uh, I listen, I've been listening to it for years, but I've gotten kind of back into it, and I thought I'd shout out a podcast and see if there's any podcasts you want to shout out today. Um, so, so my podcast is more of a pop culture pod podcast, uh, but. I, I've been listening a lot to the Cuffs Basement podcast. I was listening to it on my way home today, and they've been doing some really good uh, episodes that's been really getting me back in into them. Um, they've been going for years, three or four years now, but it's a good podcast. Um, uh, I'll plug one of my things, myself. Okay. Plug myself, damn it. Perfect. Um, yeah, so sometimes when, when the mood hits me, uh, one of my alternate personalities bubbles to the surface. And sometimes that personality is uh, an Italian Jew from Brooklyn, born of the 80s, named CK. And CK has a YouTube channel called CK's Kitchen Channel. And um, neither I nor CK are a particularly good chef, but we make some interesting recipes. Um, And and with a side of fun. They're very funny, I think. One of CK's things is he... um, uses a lot of malapropisms and he's not very much of a perfectionist. So we intentionally leave editorial mistakes in. When I edit the video, I leave mistakes in like background noises and talking on purpose because that's what CK would do. And CK uses words improperly. So check out CK's Kitchen Channel for some fun recipes. The CK's Kitchen Channel has a lot of, um, there's a lot of fun shit in there that you won't be able to find necessarily because it's just fun to me because I've, <laughs> I've known Matthew since before he started doing the channel. So for example, in any point in the show, when he makes reference to washing his hands off camera, that is because on <laughs> one of the episodes, I was like, there's no visible cut. And I didn't see you wash your hands after handling raw meat or something. And so in every single episode, it's been years. Cause it started before the pandemic. Uh-huh. And I mentioned it one time because I'm a bit of a germaphobe and I also get soup. Like if, if I ever have to cook a bunch with a bunch of raw meat, my hands look like dried out because I've washed them every single step before I hand, before I hold the salt and pepper shakers. I'm so nuts about it. And now it just, every time it makes me laugh because we'll watch your videos and it'll just be like, I wash Lots my hands. Bro, I'm turning, cuts. I'm coming from the sink intentionally in the edit. So you can see that I wash yeah. my hands. I love and Sarah laughs every time we watch them because, because of that, because every video we've watched since then, there is some reference to, don't worry, I'm washing my hands. Which yeah. And this last one, I made ziti bolognese, and I made it because Logan complained that I hadn't done a new video in so long. So it was mm-hmm. uh, purely for Logan, and at the end, I called Logan out. I said I made a separate portion to bring over to the house for Logan. Nice, yeah. I There is a part of me that wants to make a cooking channel, because I do a decent amount of cooking. But I'm like, I just haven't found the a- angle for, for it yet. And like, I don't want to, I don't know that I want if I could do it, I, I did have a, this was before I met you. I had an idea for a cooking YouTube channel that was going to be, it was going to be Alex Jones cooking. <laughs> and it was going to be, I, I can't remember all of the things, but it was, you know, we would cook like tinfoil hat chicken. And uh, like, it was, I was just had like a bunch of like ideas for it, but I, I do, I cook enough. A lot of the times, Sarah and I will 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 do something that is kind of a recipe we had once, and we're trying to recreate it 
or we're trying to remember and we come up with something that we like better. And so a lot of my recipes, you'd be like, oh, that's like basically hamburger helper taco, uh, you know, thing, but it's our version. And so I'm like, I don't know if I can do a YouTube channel based on that, but I don't know. Yeah, I mean, most, I, I don't, not like I create recipes from scratch. Like some of them are direct lists from this is from my favorite cookbook. And yeah. so I'm going to do a video about it because I know that you can't um, copyright a recipe. You can only copyright the words around the recipe that's creative writing. The recipe itself is not copyrightable. I did not know that. Yeah. That's why everyone has a whole story with it. One of the reasons besides SEO, but even in cookbooks, why there's always a paragraph about Aunt Lil and all this you know, stuff around it is because that part you can copyright, but you can't copyright one cup sugar or one cup water. That's that's not copyrightable. Oh, that's interesting. Okay. That's good to know. Yeah. All right. And that's why um, they have to keep the 11 herbs and spices super secret because oh, yeah. they can't, if they published it, anyone can use it because it's it's not you can't protect it. You can uh, patent some things like that sometimes in techniques, but you can't copyright the cookbook. Yeah. You can take someone else's recipe and repeat it verbatim as long as you're not keeping the fun story around it. Oh, that's interesting. Cool. But I, but again, at the same time, I don't do any videos for where if I'm doing the same thing someone else did. Like unless yeah. I'm doing a little something different, I'm always like, check out the real video from you know Jeff at Pressure Luck because he does it right. I've made ten changes, so if you want to learn how to do it right, do his version. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. And my goal, speaking of Jeff, is to be on his on, on his you know um, pressure luck video. We 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 have struck up a friendship on social media, and um, he's a big fan of CK's uh, character. So one one day when I can travel to New York, maybe CK will do a visit. You know, and he gets millions of views. <laughs> nice, that'd be awesome. Um, yeah. Oh, I did have so one thing I wanted to say was uh, for for our listeners, we have an email that you should be hopefully emailing if you if you have comments or you want to tell matthew how much you're canceling him over whatever cancelable thing he says um but also so our email is is talking about the big stuff at gmail.com one of the things that we would really like is if you have a good topic that you'd like us to talk about or if you think that you would be a potential guest a good good guest for us to have on the on the podcast we would love to to hear about it and you know obviously propose a a topic for yourself um but like we you know i i think in the next couple of weeks we're going to be getting some guests on um i have a guest lined up i don't have a topic lined up for her yet we talked about um conspiracy theorists the conspiracy theories uh and, and she was like she was into that but i i was like we just kind of did it last week so i'm not sure i want to do that again so quickly but um so i have a guest you talked about having uh leah or your or Madavion, right or did you just talk about leah either either one potentially they're both very big in activism so i thought a conversation about how to become an activist for people who are sitting at home saying i wish i could change things but i don't know what i could do yeah they can give you some hardcore advice on what you can do to make a difference yeah, I think that would be good. But we, I definitely want to get, even though I like, you know, just shooting the shit with you, I do want to get us some guests yeah. back on to some variety, especially because we, you and I have weighed into some really deep shit for two white guys to weigh into. So I would like to eventually be like, oh, mix it up. You know, I mean, I feel like when, before, before it was a guest, before you were a co host and I was just doing guests, trying to do every guest every week, I had a, a good variety of like, you know, like, of guests from different perspectives and then you know we agree too much we agree a lot and we i mean the the big thing the big difference between us the big thing that will give us any perspective difference uh the two big things are one is you are who you were raised as basically and i'm not anymore i've like shifted quite a bit and then the other thing is is that we are we have a big age gap and so like your generation is just going to have a different like you you went through different things than i did just based on generational differences but like it it is interesting to get more diverse perspectives and 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 so i think we're going to have some guests also now that we figured out this uh we're using zencaster uh it's really fucking easy to have multiple people from all around the country as long as they have a good internet connection and it was a pain in the ass when I was recording with, you know, my other friends that were not 
You, Sarah, Logan, and my friend Adam are the only episodes that have been recorded in the same room. Back to the point that I was getting to, if you you would like to be a guest or you have a topic or anything else, please email us. And that's uh, that's it for me. What do you got? Anything? Any last words? Words of wisdom? No last words. Oh no, that wall! <laughs> Watch out for that tree. Uh, Brandon Fraser's the best. Yes, I'm very excited that he's coming back. It, it is. It is. I okay. I'm. We're gonna go on one more little tangent. Um, <laughs> I I know that it's like I, there's the idea of separating. I forget what they call it, the death of the artist or whatever, where they separate the art from the artist. And so you you enjoy Woody Allen movies and you do, you know, I get it to some extent. I get it. But I also really like when people who seem like genuinely awesome people or nice people end up being the best in a field and like end up or end up being like really successful, uh, you know, like it's nice to feel good about the art that you like. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like Brendan Fraser, like you watch him, you watch him meeting with Key. You watch and, Encino Man, and you're like, what an artist! And then you know, he turns yeah. out he's a great guy. Yeah, exactly. No, you want a bit like it's it's nice. It's nice to know it's you know that the year that Casey Affleck won, there was by the time they made it to the Oscars, there was some pretty intense allegations against him, and you're like, eh, he's gonna win, and he had the best performance, but. Jeez, you know, hopefully, I really hope that Brendan Fraser is as good of a person as we all seem to think he is. Yeah, it's kind of like Bill Cosby was one of the top stand-ups ever, but I can't watch a routine without instantly thinking about what a shit he is, and I can't enjoy his comedy because I can't. It's not an it's not a choice. I just I can't sit there and just let go and enjoy what he used to do well. Yep. All right. All right. On that note, now we've shamed him. <laughs>